This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. We are controlling transmission. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limit frequency. Good evening, my name is Sam. My name's Ricardo. And this is the Outer Limit Frequency. And tonight's episode is dedicated to the memories of Daphne Unger and Lee Scratch Perry. Hello and welcome to the continuation of the Ad Limit Frequency B-Side Tour. We're on a mission to uncover the lesser-known sides of some rather famous bands. Tonight's subjects are icons, chart toppers, rap rock pioneers, six-time Grammy winners, rock and roll Hall of Famers, and some of California's most troubled sons. We're, of course, talking about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Did you know they were around before your friend's older brother made you watch the video for Under the Bridge and try to explain how deep and cool it was? Because it's weird how few people do. As is often the case, the debut album, The Red Hot Chili Peppers, only contained one single in Get Up and Jump. It is also quite possibly the weakest album in the catalogue, except maybe the most recent two. Whether this was down to a lack of solidarity, direction or creative control, I'm unsure, but the band was really not in a good place at the time. They had a temporary guitarist after founding member Hillel Slovak left the band, and Kiedis has gone on record saying he wasn't happy with the direction forced on them by Andy Gill. However, when Slovak rejoined after the initial recording and a bunch of tracks with him in the mix were added to the reissue, the band was much happier with the album. Green Heaven was always a good song, but there's something about the so-called demo version with Slovak on guitar duties that brings it well above everything else on the album. Why you don't even let me turn in movies to win? 
grim place Where peace, love, and wealth So do liquid out of space Grooving and the gliding is great The last place Or never losing touch With the ocean's embrace The vinyl done the dolphin That's the real song Cause dolphins just a lot To have a lot of fun No one tells them How the life is run And no one points out I'm with the gun They have a lot of love For every living creature The smile of a dolphin Is a built-in feature They be moving in schools But everyone's a teacher Someday Mr. Dolphin I know I'm going to meet you difficult birth of the first record, the Red Hot Chili Peppers sought out a different 70s cult icon to produce a follow-up. Andy Gill was out and George Clinton was in. Unlike Gill, Clinton was chosen by the band to better realise their funk rock vision by way of his own mothership connection. The result of this new team-up, Freaky Styley, was released in 1985. This was a far better representation of who the band were and wanted to be. And just like their self-titled album, at this point in their careers, the Chili's weren't really that concerned with hit singles. The only track from this album that generally makes it onto greatest hits and compilations is Catholic Schoolgirls Rule, so there's no chance of me playing it here and not just because of the cringe factor involved. With Freaky Styley, the Chili's established themselves as the new generation of shocking rockers, the kind who would do outrageous things just to see the look on people's faces. To wit, here's the album's title track.
Freaky Styley yielded much greater critical acclaim than the debut record, so they needed a plan to capitalise on his upwards trajectory. They needed an uplift mofo party plan. Their third album neatly bridged the gap between their raw, punkier early days and the wider successes, which were just around the corner. But this era was also marred in tragedy, as it featured the final contributions from Hylel Slovak, who succumbed to his addiction issues shortly after the album's release. Since this album only had one official single, this is becoming a trend, Fight Like a Brave, once again the tracklist is wide open for the plundering. And so, as a fitting send-off to the band's first era, we'll be playing No Chump Love Sucker, inspired by the incomparable Slovak. fourth album, Mother's Milk, was the first under the iconic lineup of Anthony Kiedis, Flea, John Frusciante, and Chad Smith. This wasn't under the best circumstances, as Ricardo mentioned, as Slovak had died from a heroin overdose, and drummer Jack Irons didn't want to be a part of the band without Slovak. However, this had stood the test of time as a truly great album and brought us singles Knock Me Down, Taste the Pain, and Higher Ground all of which are great singles. It also contains some of the best B-sides with Fire, Good Time Boys, Nobody Weird Like Me, and Pretty Little Ditty. 
But the song I always think of as associated with this album is the closing track, Johnny Kick a Hole in the Sky, a song about the plight of the Native Americans, which of course is a pretty meaningful topic to Anthony Kiedis.
I would say that Blood Sugar Sex Magic stands alongside Californication as the most iconic albums by the band. However, in my opinion at least, it is the much stronger album. Californication relied on one particular song, whereas the former has Give It Away, Under the Bridge, Suck My Kiss, and Breaking the Girl as singles, and a bunch of really strong songs to fill up the rest of it. It's pretty hard to beat the one with the weirdest name, though, Mellowship Slinky in B Major. It contains a piano and a tambourine for one, so that's new. And it's not in B major, so yeah. Basically, the song is about a bunch of Ketis' favorite things, and while most of them are pretty obvious, it's it's nice that he also likes uh, pink umbrellas.
almost comical how often we talk about 1995's One Hot Minute on the show. Just last week, Sam used it for our episode on single album band lineups. We did? Oh, yeah, we did. And yes, this is the record where John Frusciante was temporarily substituted out for Dave Navarro. Yes, Navarro left shortly afterwards, never to return, only to be eventually replaced by a returning Frusciante. And yes, One Hot Minute is a damned fine album. Some of the record singles, such as My Friends and Aeroplane, showed off a happier, brighter version of the band, which would take greater prominence in the coming years. But since we're specifically not doing that, this instead is Falling Into Grace. Strong. 
And finally, we get to address the second enormous elephant in the room. As Sam mentioned, aside from Blood Sugar Sex Magic, 99's Californication is often regarded as the band's high watermark. Indeed, a particular Chili's fan's favourite between these two massive records will largely come down to whether they got into the band in the early or late 90s. And try as they might, they would never be this popular, successful or culturally influential again. Which is of course not to say that Californication didn't earn every single one of its accolades, because it did in spades. One major change that happened here was the greater emphasis on softer, more introspective songs, facilitated largely by the increased prominence of John's backing vocals, which would open up new pathways for the band moving forwards. The front half is stacked full of hit singles and radio staples, which severely reduces my options here. So since this is the B-side tour, I have plucked Saviour from the album's second half for your listening pleasure. you 
So I was fairly late getting into the Red Hot Chili Peppers. By the way, is the album that got me into them in the first place. So I have a little bit of bias. I adore almost every song on this album, except maybe Throw Away Your Television. And this album is the best showcase of Kiedis' vocals, rather than being so much about guitar and bass. Songs like Dosed and Universally Speaking are great, but they're both singles. So I Could Die For You would be the best showcase of this new style, no matter how temporary this style was. This is the album that made Flea want to quit the band, though, so I guess not everyone was a fan. Disc Stadium Arcadium is a strange jukebox of an album, where a vast number of disconnected songs are presented to the listener as a playlist of sorts, one that contains all the potential of the chilies of this phase in their career. 
And in rising to the occasion, they cover a great amount of ground in terms of their tones and styles and wacky ideas. If one were to take Stadium Arcadium's tracklist, you could pull it apart and reassemble it into your own personal ideal Chili's record from what's on offer here. So yes, the end result is all a bit of a mishmash, but it's a mishmash that serves its own purpose. It also features psych guitar warrior Omar Rodriguez-Lopez, a good friend of Flea and Frusciante, on disc ones, especially in Michigan. If only there was time to cover both halves of the record. Ah, well.
the two disc stadium arcadium is a strange jukebox of an album wait no okay yeah i'm talking about the same album so i'm just gonna say the same thing but my own way stadium arcadium has something for everyone well everyone who likes any era of the chilies as such it's quite possibly one of their strongest albums overall as you could easily take say 10 tracks off the album and make your own ideal chilies album this is also the one that Ricardo and I had trouble with because it is two discs and we both for some reason prefer the second. However, he was generous enough to give me this one, so I'm going to play one of my favourite songs that the band has ever released, Hard to Concentrate. Take this woman and make you my family and find 
going to be honest, I only ever listened to I'm With You maybe once before this past week, and I've never listened to their most recent The Getaway. I think I was a little bit salty about the departure of Frusciante, even though I loved One Hot Minute. Given that I really didn't know who his replacement Josh Klinghoffer was before going into this, though, I wasn't really fair to it and didn't give it much time. However, despite only having a passing familiarity with this album, the song Even You, Brutus, has been a mainstay on my playlists for the last 10 years. So, yeah, that one's pretty decent. So that's what we're playing.
much like I'm with you before, I think the getaway was ignored by many people. Familiarity with the indefatigable chilies had bred contempt. The main difference being that the getaway didn't actually deserve the level of indifference with which it was met. In a move that broke a six-album streak, Rick Rubin was replaced by Danger Mouse in the producer role. Danger Mouse encouraged the band to throw out pretty much everything they had written beforehand and start afresh, a trick that Mr. Burton was notorious for pulling. The title track was originally intended to be the album's first single, as chosen by the band themselves. This was changed by the label to Go Robot, which was later changed by Danger Mouse himself to Dark Necessities because he apparently can't leave well enough alone. But I'm siding with the band on this one. Not only is the title track the best song on the record, but I consider it one of the best they've made in decades, despite it never formally getting the single treatment.
thank you for joining us at our b-sides tour of the red hot chili peppers we enjoyed this we're probably going to have to do this sort of thing again and if you liked what you heard jump onto spotify and check out some of our old episodes there's a whole lot of them waiting for you and since you're coming back next week you will get to hear us talk about a very brief history of protest music and civil rights in music it's going to be interesting and very historical Use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.